Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 1 to 16. We are reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition. Here is the word of the Lord. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called a twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, praise, and glory be to God. Today's sermon title is, Let It Die. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts together this morning be pleasing in your sight. You are the Lord who both gives and take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. So, I am excited because two weeks from today, we are going to have one of the biggest celebration of the Christian year, right? And that is quite exciting. And what is it that we are going to celebrate? Easter! <laughs> That's right! We will be celebrating resurrection of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And this year, we celebrate big. So please invite your family and friends to church. We will have a special worship, we have an egg hunt for kids and a lunch fellowship after the service. And Tianin will sell some products using her artwork. So I think they're a lot of fun. Yes, coming. So Easter for us symbolizes God's impossible ability to turn death into life. Our Lord and Savior Jesus was destined for the cross so that through his sacrifice, we might be cleansed from our sin. 
But that was not all that had planned. Through Jesus' death and through his resurrection from death, God showed to us the power of life anew, a power which can be poured into us as well. And if you're a Christian, I'm sure we all have had at least one experience and hopefully many more that where the course of our life was turned for the better as a result of our faith in Christ. A time when we found hope in a very hopeless situation or when God gave us exactly what we needed, precisely when we needed it. A time when God healed, a time when God saved, when God delivered us from the miserable, death-like situations in our lives and replaced them with things of meaning and purpose. Right? Rebirth, renewal, a new chapter in our lives. Whatever we call these things, when God intervenes in our lives, that way, this way is very so exciting, right? When God opens the door for us, paves the way, make the path straight, give us opportunities that we never thought possible, that's when we truly feel that our God is a living God, a God who can change our situation, change our lives, and even change ourselves. We understand that our God is the God of Easter, who gifts us with newness and changing our destiny from death to life. And when we have these times when great negatives in our lives are suddenly and even miraculously turned into great positives, it is easy for us to see how God is at work among us, right? I know it sounds obvious, but it's true. When we encounter healing, when we see God provide, when God brings lost friends to the community, when all the new things that happen in our lives and our communities are positive, we can't help but to praise God. And because God made what seemed to be impossible happen for us. When we witness God turning a life around, turning negative into positives, turning darkness to light in the way that defy all the strengths and all the logic and all the great and mighty willpower of our humanity, we know right then and there that these miracles can only come from God and God alone. Of course, we can't help but to praise in the glory of God's holy name. But in that moment, the question sneaks up, sneaks into the back of our mind that if God really is powerful, if God has the ability to change things, to turn all that is bad into good, why doesn't God always do it? If God can heal, why doesn't God heal everyone? If God can provide, why does God sometimes seem to take instead? If God can mend, why does God break? If God can revive, if God can resurrect, why does God let things die? Questions like these probably cross the minds of the people in today's story. Today's story opens with the word that Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus is ill, quite ill actually, to the point that Lazarus ends up dying. And this is not the first time Jesus has dealt with a situation where someone was quite ill. In fact, by the time we got to today's story, Jesus had already earned a reputation as a healer. 
At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus cured every disease and every sickness among the people. Jesus restored the sight to the blind, stopped the bleeding of a woman who had been suffering for 12 years, healed the lame, healed another one with a withered hand. And that just name a few. There are many more story, healing miracles stories recorded in the Bible. So when we get to today's story, the people already knew what Jesus was capable of. The large crowd that gathered and followed Jesus wherever he went were expecting to witness his powerful acts of healing. And Mary and Martha were no exception to this. So when Lazarus fell ill, Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. John chapter 11, verse 3. And as we see in John 11, chapter 5, it was not just Lazarus whom Jesus loved. He says, Jesus loved Martha and Mary as well. So if Jesus loves Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, why didn't Jesus go to him and heal him like he always did for the sick and the injured and the dying? And what makes this even more puzzling is that Jesus seems to intentionally choose not to go right to where Lazarus was. John chapter 11 verse 6 says, After having heard that Lazarus was ill, he, Jesus, stayed two days longer in the place where he was, where Jesus was. What is going on here? Does this mean that Jesus just let Lazarus die? Did he actually choose to allow Lazarus to die, pass away? How could our God do such a thing to cause grief by taking away the life of a beloved friend and family member like this? Of course, the simple answer is, as we can see from today's reading, that God does allow death to happen. Jesus plainly, even bluntly, declares that, that Lazarus has died. Chapter 11, verse 14. But if we want to understand why God allows this to happen, why it's important for this to happen, we have to dig a little deeper. And to do that, we first have to remember that Jesus, and indeed God, approaches death very differently from how we approach the topic of death. The biggest difference between how Jesus faces death and how the rest of us humans do is that we often try to avoid death, try to prevent death from happening. Right? We fight to escape death, to keep it away from us for as long as we can. While on the other hand, Jesus embraces death as something that cannot be avoided. Mary and Martha sent this message and their message to Jesus to tell him of Lazarus' illness. They knew that they were not God, and that they knew there was nothing they could do to save Lazarus, but they knew Jesus could. They knew that Jesus had a power that they did not, and a power to help them avoid the coming death. 
So they put their faith in in him, hoping that he would come and heal their brother just as he had healed so many others. But when Jesus finally got around to coming to see Lazarus, definitely not as quickly as Martha and Mary had hoped because Lazarus already died, the disciples warned him of his own risk of death, saying, Teacher, you have enemies to where you are about to go. The Jews were trying to kill you, remember? Are you leaving where you are and going to where Lazarus is, even though you might get killed? John chapter 11, verse 8. Mary, Martha, even the disciples are all trying to prevent death from happening, to prevent death from claiming the life of someone so very precious to them. And what's striking here is that, as understandable as the feeling is to all of us, Jesus does exactly none of that. Jesus is not interested in preventing death from happening. Jesus is only looking toward the work that God is doing in that death. When Jesus speaks of Lazarus, he says that this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Through dying and through the fact that God allows death to happen, we can begin to see that there is some other greater purpose at work. And what Jesus is saying in this moment is more even than that. Jesus is saying that God who allows death to happen is to be glorified and praised. It's very easy to give glory to God when we see signs of power, life, light, healing, recovery, and all the possibilities of God's promises coming on our way. It is easy to celebrate God who gives us nothing but blessings, but it can be much, much harder for us to see God as praiseworthy and glorious when it's not blessing we're looking at, but death instead. When the things we hold dear, we, the, the things we hold dear are taken away. When the things and the people which support us are falling apart. Or when a situation just seems to keep getting worse instead of better. It doesn't usually occur to us to lift up our hands and say, Hallelujah, God is great. Does it? But this is a core message of today's scripture. God is the God of both life and death. God creates life, and God takes away life. God has the power and authority to give new life and to take away life from people and things that have run their course. This ultimate authority and great power belong only to God. And allowing ourselves to accept, even embrace the death that God had ordained, is a crucial step in our faith's journey. Look at Jesus' life. Throughout his entire life and ministry on earth, Jesus knew that Jesus was going to have to suffer and die on the cross. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus did not avoid talking about his own death and nor did he try to prevent it from happening. 
And not only did Jesus not try to avoid death, but through his words and actions, he encouraged the disciples to live in the same way. He encouraged them to live for God's will by embracing death in the same way, saying, If anyone, any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lost their life for my sake will save it. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, verse 24. I think that this cross we bear, this death we face, comes for us Christians in the big ways and small ways throughout our Christian journey. After I became Christian, I had to let go of the part of me that placed my sense of self-worth on material things, like I bought a bunch of expensive clothes. Because when I let that part of me die, I could embrace the fact that God, not my expensive clothes or cosmetics, made me good. When Don and I decided to go to seminary and to get trained to be pastors, we had to let our lifestyle of security and stability go because we let that part of us die. We could embrace the fact that God would provide for us wherever we might go. When God inspired me to forgive and embrace my stepmother, I had to let go of my pride and conviction that I am no wrong here. Because when I let those things die, I could embrace this new relationship God has given me in my life. When we set aside our own desires, plans, hopes, and expectations, when we put these things on on the cross and let them die, we make room for God to grow new things within us, spring forth new plans, hopes, and life out of the tomb. Dying to ourselves means rising anew in Christ. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and time to pluck up what is planted. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 through 2. Many of us know these famous words. And we know that all things happen in God's ordained time. That all things, both good and bad, happen according to the will of the Lord. But as much as we know, believing it is another thing entirely. I confess that there was a time when I was really worried about declining attendance in our Sunday worship, in our classes, and in other gatherings and events we offer as a church. Whenever I heard someone lament how KUC used to have so many more people coming and worshiping together on Sunday morning, I wondered to myself, oh no, is our church dying? Can we ever restore ourselves to the glories of the past? Is this my fault? Am I not doing enough? And in those times of anxiety and fear, I found myself working harder and harder to keep things from getting worse. I sent out reminder after reminder to people so that they might come to the different events at our church. 
I started to worry about the numbers of people who show up, and I only ever felt relief on those occasions whose those numbers went up just a little bit. At some point, though, it hit me. I realized that I was working in vain. I was trying so hard to save something that it was not my job to save. I wasn't supposed to spend my time fighting to keep those numbers from dropping any further, fighting to increase the number of people who show up for church on Sunday. I needed to let go of that idea that a successful church could be measured entirely in numbers and figures and data. Instead, I realized that I needed to look forward to what God was doing and how God was guiding our church to be a resurrected body. It is not my job, not any one of our jobs, to decide who does and who doesn't come to church. Not my job to increase the number of people in the sanctuary. That's up to God and to God alone. However, it is my job to see how God is turning death into life. It is my job to encourage people to listen to the voice of God calling us out of tune, calling us to rise and follow God in the work of servant leadership, the kind of leadership Jesus practiced by sacrificing himself to give light to the world. This type of spiritual growth does not come by numbers, but you can see it when you see people practice endurance, build character through that endurance, and find hope no matter what, how difficult the situation might seem. I realize that focusing on the numbers of field pews, concrete metrics, and detailed plans for the future, even the positive or negative change on a finance report, focusing on those things is like avoiding death itself. Ours is a God who allows for death to happen for great and glorious purpose. Our God allows death to happen as a natural part of the cycle of life because God delights in endings, because God does not delight in endings, but because our God is God of resurrection, the God of rebirth, the God of Easter Sunday. The Lantern season both in the Christian year and in the cycles and seasons of our lives. It's a time for us to set our eyes on the cross of Jesus, to remember death, too, is a part of God's plan. Whether we're talking about the people who are dear to us, the things of our lives, or even the very identity of the church itself, we need to embrace this season of refining where all those things which do not belong to God are burnt away. So only what is willed by God, only what is valuable to God, only what belongs to God will remain. We have to remember that death is a part of God's plan and let it die, let it go when God says that is the time. Because only then we can be witnesses to the glory of resurrection.